Hey, I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining me today. We have a great show. We're going to hear from Bassmaster Elite Champion Jeff Gussie Gustafson. Just won his first ever Bassmaster Professional Tournament. We're going to check in with Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service about, well, with Matt, it's pretty much everything. And Steve Sapaniak is in to talk ice fishing on Mille Lacs and some area lakes around there. He's got some great tips. It's all coming up. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. The show that talks all things outdoors in Paul Bunyan Country, or as we like to call it, Paradise. Today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, get to check in with a good friend of ours who's having a great start to his season in the Bassmaster Elite Series, and that is Jeff Gustafson. Gussie, uh, first of all, congratulations. Great uh, start to the year. It is, uh, yeah. Finished two events so far, and um, finished uh, got a 24th at St. John River down in Florida back earlier in February, and then uh, last weekend we I got my first tour level win. Uh, won a tournament at the Tennessee River um, out of Knoxville, Tennessee. So pretty sweet. I got to pull one of those big, beautiful blue trophies back to Canada and, uh, you know, just, yeah, highlight of my, my fishing career. Um, it was, it was awesome. Just had a tough practice. It was really a, a, an event with tough fishing and, um, right, you know, we get a three day practice period and right at the end of, of the third day of practice, I found an area that had some smallmouth and, uh, and, you know, was, was lucky. I, I caught them for four days in a row and, and, uh, you know, just had the dream event. So I'm, I'm a happy, happy camper right now. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, to win in the Bassmaster Elite, I mean, that's, uh, that's you know, that's a big, big deal for a guy who's had your dream. Yeah, no, for sure. And I've been, you know, eight or nine years kind of chasing, fishing these pro tournaments. And uh, my first win, I had I finished second a couple times. Uh, but sure, yeah, it sure felt good to get the job done and lift that trophy over my head um you know just yeah a lot of lot of emotions and um you know it was it was awesome it was awesome you know what else is pretty awesome you get a little you get the bank a little ching too yeah it's a good payday on that one <laughs> uh, yeah what a hundred thousand dollars it's uh you know it, it's a lot of money um but it, you know, there's a lot of expense into doing doing the doing what I'm doing. So it's you know, it's not like it's straight straight go spend or have a party. Um, but it sure takes the pre- pressure off, you know, for the rest of the year as far as keeping all the bills paid and um, and and you know, more than likely that's going to sort of help hope, hopefully help me fish better and it'll it'll show in my results here the rest of the season. But uh, but yeah, I mean it's it was it was awesome. Um, unfortunate a little bit in that just with like all the COVID stuff going on that my wife and my my family and a lot of friends you know weren't able to be there. Um, but uh, but you know it was thankfully Bassmaster does a pretty good live you know has, puts out pretty good live coverage of the events and uh, everyone was sort of able to watch and um, so you know it was the be- next best thing. But but yeah, pretty pretty sweet pretty sweet weekend for sure and uh to to try to coin a phrase to make it fishing related you uh you hit the water running more or less i mean you uh you were right in the thick of things the whole the whole three days 
Yeah, so at this at this water body, um, you know, it's not really known to be a great smallmouth fishery. And then the other thing that, that was sort of unique was the smallmouth had to be 18 inches to keep, which is a fairly big fish. And uh, so going there, I mean, I didn't really want anything to do with smallmouth fishing. And, I, you know, I think this, the same general consensus was probably thought throughout the field. And um, it was just like I literally in, in two and a half days of practice, I caught three keeper largemouth that were, you know, maybe up to two and a quarter pounds. I mean, no big ones. It was brutal tough. And uh, so I found these smallmouths and, and didn't know, you know, I caught a few. They were they were not even 18-inch keepers. I caught a few um, and, and marked a few others. So I knew there was some fish there, and it was just another option to try. And I sort of got after that first thing the the first morning of the tournament and was pleasantly surprised that there was a lot more big fish there than I expected there to be and then that they lasted for four days which is you know fairly kind of unusual um, you know for uh, one area to kind of get you through four days of competition just with all the different weather elements and spectators and other anglers I mean it just usually doesn't work that way and it it uh, it ended up kind of being the perfect plan, so it was you know I got really pretty fortunate, and uh, you know I I uh, I guess I guess I was just able to you know capitalize on the opportunity and and uh, all is good. So uh, now that the tournament's over, are you willing to share where where you found those fish? Yeah, I mean I it, I I've uh, we've talked I've talked about it quite a bit and then you know obviously Bassmaster had really good coverage you know live throughout <laughs> yeah. the event but uh, yeah I mean I caught them in a canal between a man-made canal between two of the lakes on the system um, Fort Loudon and uh, Calico Lake uh, so there was a fair amount of current caught the fish you know twenty to twenty five feet of water and then this is a lot of you know minnesota walleye anglers can appreciate this but i caught i caught all my fish on a four inch um z-man jerk shad and a minnow imitating jig head and so uh basically holding the the jerk shad one to two feet above the bottom and and not moving it a whole lot you know almost like it's a way that we walleye fish a lot up here at lake of the woods and uh that was how i caught all these small up there focused on eating shad and uh i would just drift drift through this canal it's very very similar to fishing on the rainy river to be honest with you and and that's how i caught all my fish so it's pretty kind of unique to you know bring a northern technique down there and and have it actually you know be really effective um it was you know that was that was kind of one of the coolest parts about it yeah i'm guessing a lot of the uh, anglers probably haven't done that no, a lot of the anglers probably didn't even have you know spinning rods in the boat for this event, and uh, so yeah, it was it was pretty neat, like uh, just to to catch to catch them the way that I did, and um, and uh, yeah, it was it was just kind of funny. It was it was a lot of the a lot of the you know coverage of the event from people down south. They were they were quite surprised, I think, at, at the way that I was fishing, but uh, but yeah, like I said, it worked. It was. Uh, it was effective, and um, I got to collect one of those beautiful trophies. Wow. You know, most of us, uh, whether it's a big body of water like Leech Lake or, you know, a glorified pond that doesn't even have a name hidden away in the woods, it's still it's yeah. lake-based bass fishing. I haven't heard a lot of river bass fishing, but you've been on two rivers already. What's the difference? 
Well, I, I mean, current. That's the number one thing is, is it, they function a little bit different. Current's important. I mean, the water temperature at this event was 45, 46 degrees. I mean, really cold. If I was at home, if I was up north, uh, when the water's that cold, generally I'm going to, you know, try and get as far away from the current as I can. And, uh, but they live in it and it's just part of their, part of their deal. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm far from a river expert, but, uh, but this was a unique situation where the fish were, were deeper and, um, I was able to kind of exploit them with a, with a technique that we, that I'm just comfortable doing. You know, I've caught thousands of walleyes and smallmouths around home with and, uh, it worked, it worked. So, you know, it, it, uh, if it was, you know, a lot of other river situations where we're, we're shallow bank beating and, and doing that sort of stuff, you know, that's ne- not necessarily my strong suit, but, uh, you just, you know, I, it, it all kind of just came together and it was, it was pretty amazing the way everything happened. Now, Bassmasters at this point, uh, do you have crowds for the weigh-ins yet or not? They, uh, yeah, no, they had, the weigh-in was all outside, um, in a big, big open area so there was a there was a decent crowd there i mean you know a lot of small groups families um so it's good you know it's nice to see some people out uh but certainly not you know to the extent that they're typically typically is and Mm -hmm. you know hopefully by later in the season we're gonna get to a point where it's it's you know we're sort of back to a somewhat normal situation with with spectators and fans so today's question, where is Gussie right now? <laughs> I came home uh, last week after the tournament. I I had to get uh you know, get get back. I'd been on the road for about 5 weeks. So came back, check in and um missed my beautiful wife. So I'm back home and then yeah, we're back at it again next week down in Alabama, Pickwick Lake and fishing fishing again. It's another Tennessee River fishery that uh has a good smallmouth population, so I'll be keeping that honest. And you know, and then yeah, it's pretty much steady now, sort of through through the spring. We're fishing every other week, and uh, you know, just hopefully, it's kind of a funny sport where if you can get some momentum going, good or bad, it, you can it usually carries. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that uh, like you know, I've had a good start to the year, and just hopefully can keep it rolling for for uh, a few more months. Have you have you fished Pickwick before? I have. I fished a few FLW events at Pickwick, and I actually caught my biggest bass of my life at Pickwick, almost an 11-pounder in, in a mm. tournament back in 2014. But I fished there a couple times, not uh, not this time of year, in June. Both times I think I was there was May or June, and uh, so it'll be a little bit different, but it's a good good fishery. I'm excited to, you know, to get out there and um, and yeah, we're going to, you know, for anybody watching, we're going to see some big fish next week and it should be fun. The concept of an 11 pound bass up here is, uh, I, I don't think we can even imagine that. No, it was like one of those, like I caught it in a tournament, like I say, and I, and I, and it jumped, I hooked it and it jumped way out there, you know, and I actually saw how big it was and, um, and then it came in kind of easy. And then when it got to the boat, it was wallowing around the front of the boat you know, this huge mouth, and then it was digging under the boat. And, I mean, it was one of those deals where, like, if I would have lost it, I don't even know 
how big I would have said this thing was. And uh, I ended up getting it in the boat, and I grabbed it. And I, and I said to my, my co-anger partner at the time, you know, that's, that might be a 10-pounder. And he said, son, that is a 10-pounder for sure. And, and it was. So, um, yeah, good memory there. But uh, hopefully, cool. you know, I'm ready to – that's been a while. So I'm ready to catch a bigger one, and next week would be prime time to do it. So this will be the third of the year. How many are there in the uh, in the Elite Series? We got nine events, nine events, um, and and then we got the Bassmaster Classic starting uh, in June. It was actually supposed to be next week down in Texas, and that's been pushed back to June. So um, nine events. So uh, we got five five more before the Classic in June, and then uh, two out in New York in July. So we're gonna end the season up north on some smallmouth fisheries which i'm really excited about and uh yeah just you know try and stay in the mix here over the next few few tournaments and and see what happens so the classic is that for qualifying from last year or is that this yep. okay and, and are you yep. in bassmaster classic i'm in okay um topped uh 40 anglers from from last season uh we basically we have a hundred angler field so the top 40 make the classic and uh you know that's the big goal at the start of the season for everyone is to to be in that group. You got to have a pretty good pretty good season to do that. We get points based on where we finish in each event. So uh, you know it's uh, it's it you, you just for me right now I just want to stay consistent and stay in the in the you know near the top of that list and um, and uh, yeah ride it let it ride. It's it's kind of weird. To, to be talking to you about these tournaments that you're fishing for this season, and then you're going to take a pause and you're going to fish last season's championship, yeah, and then resume this season, well, and then next year, or is it is it because of yeah. COVID or? Is... Well, typically the classics always in March, and there is an event or two before that. But it's you know it's a big it's it's the sort of Super Bowl event of our sport um, in that. Not only is it a big fishing turn, but it's the largest. They have the largest outdoor like expo and fishing show that sort of goes along with the event. So I mean, every company in the fishing industry just about is there. Every all the boat companies. I mean, it's a big event. So um, March is just kind of a good time to have it. I, I think as far as um, just people are getting back in, you know, gearing up for another season and and all that stuff. But uh, but yeah. This year it's been pushed back and, and obviously um, is, is a little different because of COVID. So hopefully hopefully next year it'll be back to more of a normal routine. Okay. So have you had any uh, opportunities to do uh, any ice fishing up in Lake of the Woods since you got back? I wish. I wish I could. <laughs> I'm, uh, no, when I come back to Canada right now, uh, we're still – got some tough tough rules up here and we i'm i'm i have to stay at home in quarantine oh sure sure it's kind of it's pretty disappointing for me because i love ice fishing and you know i live in a remote area but uh but no i'm not allowed to to do much so i've been working on my fish and tackle and i've done about 30 interviews uh try you know i had hundreds of messages from people so i've been catching up on all that it's been it's been good um, been nice to kind of re- relax and recover, but yeah, I'm missing out on. I love March ice fishing, and the, yeah, the weather's been phenomenal. So uh, my buddies are all out there catching a bunch of walleyes and lake trout and crappies, and um, you know, I'm I'm uh, 
You're hearing I'm, about I'm, it. I won't be on the ice again probably until next year. So gotcha. it, 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 you know, it is what it is. All right, so uh, lay it out for us. You're, you're heading down to Alabama, and then you're doing some fishing, what, early in the week and then the tournament late in the week? Is that how it works? Yeah, we start practice Monday, and we'll, we'll, we practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tournament starts Thursday and runs through through Sunday. So the full field fish is two days, uh, top 50 fish is day three, and the top 10 fish is fourth day. So, you know, getting that, make that top 50, that's the first goal, and, and then, you know, from there – sort of see what happens but uh but yeah i'm 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 excited to to get it going again and and uh hopefully keep keep keep, get a little hot streak going and and let it ride you know gussie if we want to watch the action uh what's the website for the bassmaster elite bassmaster.com and yeah they check it out next week if you never if you know for people that haven't before um I think we're going to see a lot of big fish at Pickwick, and yeah, they do a phenomenal job of covering the event. And uh, you know, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's fun to watch. It's it's addictive, and um, yeah. if you haven't tried it, check it out. <laughs> okay, for sure. Jeff Gussie Gustafson, good friend of the show, and a great angler, great guy, Gussie. I was just glad to see you won the thing. I was so excited for that. I, I've never actually met you face-to-face, but we've talked so many times over the years that just made me happy to see you win. Well, I appreciate it. It was, yeah, it was pretty special, and uh, it's, it's been overwhelming, the messages and all the, you know, I've, I've, all the people that I've heard from that were, that were happy to hear that I'd won. So, yeah, thanks, man. And, um, you know, obviously love catching up and, and getting to do the show and appreciate that you, you have me on. Um, as often as you do so hopefully next time we talk um we're gonna have good news that everyone can come fishing back up here in sunset country and uh there's gonna be yeah there's gonna be a lot of walleyes and bass and pike and muskies um ready to that have been had a good break from from angling <laughs> pressure and uh are gonna be ready to chomp on everybody's lure jeff gustafson getting ready for the next Bassmaster elite event coming off his championship at the knoxville river Gussie, good luck next week. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, pal. Coming up next, Matt Brewer from North Country Guide Service. When you check in with Matt, you never know what you're going to get. It could be fishing. It might be hunting. It could involve gators. It could be all of that. You'll have to tune in to find out. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Welcome back to Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks also to Matt Brewer of North Country Guide Service for joining me. Matt's a good friend of the show. He's always got something cool going on. Matt, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I had to get you on when I saw the pictures of the gators, so uh, let's just start there. Uh, You went down to Florida, and you did some gator hunting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We typically, typically I start my turkey, uh, my turkey ventures every spring in florida but this year we decided uh we weren't going to fish and we weren't going to turkey hunt and no hog hunting we were going to try gators and um, me and my son each were able to harvest one so that was cool waiting for the actually waiting for the meat to arrive it should be here today or tomorrow i think um but yeah it was it was a blast and uh, and it was really good to get away after um <laughs> I, I shouldn't say it was a long winter we were pretty spoiled but uh but it was good to get away yeah 
So tell us how gator hunting works. Uh, I'm assuming you're in in the Everglades, but but how, but how does the whole thing progress? So there's like a hundred different ways to gator hunt. Apparently, uh, <laughs> I I've actually been with um, other guys who've who've shot them, um, and I've seen like two or three, four different ways of hunting them. Um, so when we were down the statewide gator licenses aren't available like the hunt isn't uh, the hunting season isn't open for them um so we were actually hunting nuisance gators and you're helping um they call them farm permits so you're you're actually hunting gators that were nuisance gators that were relocated to um a quote-unquote farm okay um we hired a guide at a ranch and they have a large, like really large area. Um, I don't know, maybe 20, 25, 30 acres, maybe. Um, and it's an area where like nuisance trappers and, and gator relocation specialists bring, bring gators like out of, you know, places like Miami or St. Pete. They'll bring them out of the city and bring them to these places. And then you have an option to hunt them several different ways. You can, you can ride a buggy and shoot them from the swamp buggy. And for Minnesota folk, when I talk about a buggy, I don't mean like a little trolley, (laughs) like gigantic tires um, underneath a gigantic flatbed. Uh, Everglades swamp buggies are something truly unique uh, and fun to ride on. Or you can do uh, airboat or what we did is uh, like spot and stock. So we just caught them sunning themselves early in the morning. and then we would sneak up along dikes that are in between, like the little reservoirs. And basically, you just pick one out and and shoot them in the brain, which is about the size of your thumb. <laughs> so you got to be a pretty good shot. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little tricky. Um, and it took us a couple hours to to find ones that were, you know, they have to be basically sitting. Uh, or laying in the water just right or or on the bank just right so that you can actually get a good angle um, and actually get that bullet place where it needs to be but and then our guide was just uh, catching them with a fishing rod with a giant hook and bringing them in that way so uh, so that's how we did it but there's a lot of different ways I mean you've seen on TV where they bait them with raw, or, <laughs> raw chicken and and catch them that way and then and then just shoot them with 22. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but no matter how you do it, they all taste the same. <laughs> what do they taste like? Everybody, so it's funny because I was just talking to the guys at Northwoods. They were asking about the gator hunt, and Jace was like, I've heard they taste like chicken. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> says everything tastes like chicken. Like, If that was our, our worldly baseline, like, chicken has so many different flavors it's really really crazy but uh but people do say that a lot that it tastes a lot like chicken but i think it tastes a lot like gator (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not like a a really an aquatic taste you know it's not similar to fish or anything like that but it does have a similar texture to like uh, sturgeon or scallop or shark meat Um, it's a really firm firm white meat um and yeah it, it has a unique flavor but 
but it's it's really good. Um, we let the leather go this time. We didn't uh, didn't harvest any of the leather, um, and Tate's getting a skull done or had a skull done from his gator, and that'll be good enough memories and full enough bellies that we're happy with that. So we got some really cool photos, and yeah, it was, it was a blast. Well, you got to admit, Matt, you have a far more sophisticated palate than most of us because you've eaten far more varieties of meat than pretty much anybody else I know. <laughs> I, I don't know how how good my palate is, so <laughs> I, I'm still German Norwegian, so you know, ketchup's still a little spicy. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how worldly my palate is, but I, I've eaten a lot of different stuff. There's no question there. So how big uh, what were the were the gators you got? Uh, so Tate's was six feet two inches. So it was funny. I'm like, you can use this like as aggression toward me. Like you shot something the size of your dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and way and bigger than me. Two, and and mine was eight one. So wow. They were pretty nice. But how many pounds of meat do you get off those boys? Well, that's crazy. It, it, reminded me reminded me of like bears um so like uh an eight foot gator weighs roughly 180 to 200 pounds um and you get about 24 pounds of meat uh, total off of a gator that size really yeah wow and like tate's gator i think there was only like eight pounds of meat on that eight or nine um so it's, it's far less than you would than you would think. Yeah, no kidding. And they have zero fat. Um, well, yeah, that I believe. Great muscle. <laughs> uh, and so, so that was what you did down there. Typically, you said you do some other kind. You do some shark fishing. You do some um, Florida turkey hunting as well. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of things to do down in Florida if you're an outdoor guy like yourself. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not just beaches and margaritas. It's, um, you get close to the Everglades in South Florida there, and even... I mean, people who are in Orlando don't realize that some of the best turkey hunting in the state is like 30 miles northeast of Orlando. So, um, and there's tons of hogs down there. Like it's a it's a hog hunting paradise. They're absolutely everywhere. So yeah, I mean, Florida's great for hunting and fishing. Probably one of my favorite states in the in the country. Um, but it's I think it's highly overlooked because it's mostly a Let's go down there and lay lay on the beach, type of thing. We, right. we did that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to. Oh yeah, to to coax the the wife and daughter into going. <laughs> there there has to be some beach involved. Yeah. Well, now that you're back up here, um, have you been out on the ice? Well, yeah, we left right during uh, burbot prime time. So when we got back, well, actually, like the day before we flew out, my son and I went burbot fishing, and then uh, I think. Two days after we got back, we had to go again, and then we went last night, and we went a couple nights before that. So we've been doing a lot of a lot of boat fishing. But uh, last night we got the whole family out, and uh, I mean it was like 60 degrees at sunset. Wow! Um, it was beautiful. We were just standing on the ice. There's not a speck of snow left, um, so it was really cool being out there. And we caught some fish and had some laughs. It was it was pretty good. I'm assuming the ice is just fine still. Yeah, it's it's honeycombing pretty hard on the top. So, like, if you're not really accustomed to driving on the ice, um, you know, it, it's it's spooky. I've been I've been guiding ice fishing for almost twenty years, and 
it, last night I was even driving across the lake. I'm like, this is a little eerie. I mean, um, just because of how honeycombed and crystallized the top of the ice is, you know, it doesn't look like a, a sheet of concrete ice. It looks pocked. So right. it's a little spooky, but, but there's still plenty of it. I mean, you get to your spot and you drill a hole and you start sweating and you're like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of ice. <laughs> um, so there, there's plenty of ice that it just got to be really careful like where old fish houses were or where a truck may have been sitting where salt and and stuff dropped off the bottom of the truck and obviously the accesses are going to go fast um and then if we get this rain and we've already got the honeycombing on top and that rain you know uh, accumulates at all it's going to start to drain and old holes and i mean this time of year is when everything starts to get a little bit iffy but uh but it's still still plenty of, of ice out there and we had no problem traveling last night so okay well it's interesting you know eel pout i mean started out as kind of a, a joke festival and everybody makes fun of the eel pout and they are ugly there's no question about that but people in the know really like them um i guess they're pretty tasty is that true yeah they're delicious um the interesting thing is we were actually talking about it last night my wife was like why are we throwing them all back? And I'm like, I haven't kept an eel pout in three or four years. And she's like, I remember when we used to eat eel pout all the time. <laughs> and um, I, I kind of started leaning toward the conservation side when I saw how outrageously popular they were becoming. And I don't want to, like, I don't think I invented eel pout fishing or anything, but it definitely... Uh, I, I don't think was helpful for the populations or <laughs> around <laughs> the state when we started writing about them and glamorizing them like they were uh, this prized possession. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, if you Google eel powder burbot, there's a lot of uh, hero or money shots of <laughs> like me, Rylander, Birch. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, you know, making them as popular as, as a lot of us around the ice belt did, um, you know, us diehards that were into it a long time ago, um, it's it's really brought recognition to the fish, which is really good and bad. I mean, the populations have definitely definitely declined in a lot of lakes, um, but they're also starting to get some of the recognition they deserve. And uh, I know there's talks of possible legislation to to get some limits set on on them and making them an, an actual game fish or target fish so that would be great if we could get a limit on them um, this time of year when they're vulnerable uh, even if we could cut in half the amount that people uh, are taking that'd be fantastic yeah i was gonna say i think it's still a rough rough fish so it's pretty much come come one come all take what you want uh, but when something gets that popular and people want them you got to you got to think about that yeah and people don't understand like um Eel pout are truly a sign of a healthy, uh, healthy body of water, like a healthy ecosystem. So, um, I, I relate it to like, have you ever had a fish tank? Uh, you know, and you've got a fish tank, and you have all these really important fish that you paid big money for, and they're swimming around, and they're all pretty. And then you've got that little sucker, <laughs> the shark sucker, that you have to have in there that keeps the algae out of the lake or out of the the aquarium. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a friend comes over and you're like, oh, look at all my fish. And you hope that that sucker is hiding, like, under a rock or something when they come over. And that's the yopout of a lake. It's super, super important. 
super not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but you start taking all those out and uh, not saying they're, uh, they're bottom feeders or, or algae suckers because they're not. Um, they're apex predators. But, um, but you start taking those out of a lake and you're going to start to uh, disrupt the ecosystem. And you disrupt any ecosystem and it starts to fail. So we want to keep eel pout in the lakes and, uh, and keep healthy populations of them. And these are things that need to be thought about by fishermen and non-fishermen alike. Sure. And you know what? Again, my ignorance, you know, all I do is talk about walleyes and bass and the stuff everybody talks about. And I didn't even realize they were like a, a fairly common fish in a lot of lakes. I, I didn't know they were Lake Bemidji until just a couple of years ago when they decided they might have the Heel Pod Festival over here, which obviously ultimately they didn't. But uh, I, I just wasn't aware. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, well, I remember like in college at UND and my brother lived in Bemidji and I used to come over here and hunt and fish all the time. And, and when I was in college, I remember bringing buddies and like, sitting on the tailgate drinking beer this time of year, um, drive over from Grand Forks and stay up all night on a Friday night and uh, hang out and eel poke fish and, you know, fish till wee hours of the morning and we'd catch 70, 80, 90, 100 in a night. And now um, on Bemidji, I'd, I don't think that's possible anymore. I, I Granted, I'm not 25 years old anymore, 22 years old or... I was going to say, which part is impossible, staying up all night or catching that many fish? <laughs> right. I can, I can still stay up all night, but I, I don't know that I would be functioning very well. Uh, but back in the day, you know, you, I could hole hop and hit it hard. I think if I had to stay up and fish all night, I would just sit on the tailgate and I wouldn't move. But um, but I don't think those numbers are possible anymore. Um, but Bemidji used to be an absolute monster of a fishery for, for eel pout. It was fantastic, but... Some of the other lakes in the area are starting to shine, and others are dwindling. And you know, it's just like anything else; uh, populations boom and bust a little bit. And uh, in Bemidji, I would say is on more of a decline than uh, than an uptick for sure. But but it's still good. I mean, we we've been doing well out there, and uh, not really any other fishermen in the areas we're fishing. Uh, I haven't seen a vehicle the last four outings we've been been out on uh, aside from headlights in the distance so it's, it's been good so uh the other thing that uh you like to do is uh, is head around the nation different parts of the nation and do turkey hunts in the spring uh and it sounds like you're going to be doing that again yeah um nothing really outrageous this year but uh, uh we're doing like kansas north dakota south dakota and minnesota i think is what we're doing this year um so tate will join me on one of the hunts and then um, and then my wife and daughter and Tate will also hunt Minnesota. And then uh, me and Tim, one of my guys, uh, will head out to South and North Dakota to hunt uh, around like Sisseton, Wapton, uh, the reservation there. And then doing a media hunt down in Kansas. So it'll be it'll be fun. I that's my <laughs> between grouse hunting and turkey hunting. Like it's really a toss up on. Uh, favorite time of year, but coming out of a long winter and being able to get outside and uh, hear the birds chirping in the mornings and watch the sunrise without having 25 layers of clothes on <laughs> um, and hearing the turkeys gobble, that's, I'm, I'm really jacked. 
we only have about what three weeks left before three four weeks left before turkey season starts so i'm i'm ready 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 you you used to have to leave the state or at least go down to the far southern part of the state to make that happen but uh now you just walk out your back door <laughs> yeah for me as a youngster it was uh you had to apply for uh for a tag and hope that you got drawn and we used to hunt like rochester Harmon harmony was mm-hmm. where we hunted the amish community um by rochester there that was where we uh, would get drawn and it was like you know you're lucky if you got drawn and it was this big trip this big ordeal and uh, success rates were like 20 <laughs> percent <laughs> and now yeah i literally could walk out my back door and shoot one out of a tree wow. uh, almost every morning if I wanted to. They're gobbling their faces off <laughs> at sunup every day. It's crazy that there, that there are so many around Bemidji now, but it's good. Yeah. And uh, then next thing you know, we'll, uh, we'll have the ice off maybe quicker than past in past years recently, and, uh, and we'll be out uh, doing some crappie and, you know, pre-walleye fish. We might be able to get a good, good two to three weeks of pre-walleye fishing in this year. Yeah, I know there's a lot of guys, including myself, who are already thinking about Rainy River, uh, the walleye run, uh, the spring spawn, and, and then sturgeon fishing as well. So uh, I've seen people posting on social media that they're excited and ready, and uh, there's people already checking the river to see if there's any updates, and that'll be here before we know it. And, yeah, I, I agree. I think the lakes are going to uh, be free of ice early, and we should be able to get some early ice fishing in uh, Maybe get some really good perch fishing in before before walleye season hits. So, all right, we want to go out and hit some ice right now. Um, where should we go? Is it is any any lake that's got thick enough ice? Got a pretty good bite going right now. Yeah, I mean we're talking. You know, it's even though it's been really warm, it's still the beginning of late ice. Um, so crappies and bluegills are starting to move up shallow, and um, they're loving all this fresh oxygen dumping into the lakes from from the melt off so pretty much every lake is you know it's going to have some turned on fish uh, that are going to be ready to eat um so wherever your your favorite little honey hole or your favorite lake to get out on now's the time to start getting out there because it's going to fade fast and and the bite's only gonna uh, get better here until until the ice is gone so as far as North Country Guide Service goes, what are some of the guide things you do? I mean, is, do you do uh, spring turkey hunts in this area? Do you do strictly fishing stuff uh, upcoming? What, what do you guys got planned from, from that perspective? Uh, so we wrapped up our rental season, um, put the rentals away this past week, um, and then we kind of go on a break mm-hmm. until walleye opener and uh, spring morels, uh, morel mushrooms start going, and then we're guiding for mushrooms and obviously we'll do spring crappies and stuff like that but turkey hunting is actually uh you you can't guide for turkeys in minnesota oh okay it's the only thing in the state you cannot guide for uh, so luckily for me <laughs> i get a bunch of time up <laughs> all right well if somebody wants to go morel uh hunting or uh, pan fishing or walleye fishing or whatever uh how do they uh, check out north country guide service and get something set up northcountryguides.com easiest way to find us all right matt brewer is the man the myth the legend of northcountryguideservice.com and he is uh, joining us today matt always love talking to you thanks for taking the time today and enjoy your hunts and uh, fishing and excursions i'm sure we'll be checking in again all right sounds good thanks kevin 
The bite is good on Mille Lacs and several other Brainerd area lakes. Steve Sapaniak of Predator Guide Service has the details next. This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Checking in with Steve Sapaniak over in the Brainerd Mille Lacs area from Predator Guide Service. Hey, Steve, welcome to the show. Glad to have you today. Oh, my privilege to be here, Kevin. Thank you for having me. We were talking before we got on the air. You got some rain going on over there. Uh, how do you think that's going to impact the ice on the area lakes? You know, the ice on the area lakes has been looking pretty good, you know, the main body of water. You know, we've got anywhere from 20 to 24 inches of good solid ice. But, yeah, you'd mentioned how is it going to impact it. You know, it's showing the effects right now along the shoreline. Uh, my wife and I fished one of the small favorite lakes right next to Mille Lacs Lake on Saturday. We got out there. The shoreline had about three feet of water just sitting on top of the ice. When we left the lake, Kevin, there was over 30 yards of water on top of the ice, and I don't know if there was anything open underneath it. I'm afraid this rain is really going to impact the landings. It's going to take its toll. I think if people are wise enough and use ATVs or walk out, we'll be fine. But as soon as you start bringing those trucks out there, cars and trucks with wheel hoses, that's going to really rot the ice by the shoreline real quick. You might need one of those airboats those boys use down south to get out to the good ice if this continues. <laughs> well, you are part of Predator Guide Service, which, uh, of course, uh, has a lot of musky stuff. and We can't really do that right now, so what are you fishing for these days? Well, that's a great question. I've been after the panfish. love the panfish around the area. Malaxa gives up some huge, huge sunfish and crappies. And our group of people fishing for crappies, our biggest so far is 17 inches taking a lot of bluegills over 10 inches. So that's been fun. They've been going pretty good. And as the warm weather continues, Kevin, they're just going to keep going better and better, the panfish. I love chasing them. On the other side, too, we got a great perch bite happening right now. You can sit in the middle of any of the bays, Cove Bay, Wacom Bay, Isle Bay, Vineland Bay, and catch yourself a mess of nice perch anywhere from up to 8, eight inches to 11 inches. Get out to the main basin, Kevin, with snowmobiles or with ATVs on those mud flats. They're getting some really nice perch up to 11 inches, 12 inches. But get in the mindset you're going to drill at least anywhere from 30 to 100 holes to hole hop and look for them. Right now, what you want to do, if you want to get on top of a good bite, Kevin, is after you drill a hole, have yourself a piece of twine, you know, heavy-duty twine or some 100-pound musky line, and take a great big boat, 5-8-inch boat, doesn't matter how long, and go to every hole that you had drilled, especially if you were smart enough to drill them in a big circle. This is what we do. Drill them in a big circle and pound the bottom with that boat. Go to the next hole and pound the bottom with that boat. So you do the whole circle, and then you can leave, come back a half hour later, and fish in the middle of the circle. What you have done right now, the perch, along with the panfish, but mostly the perch right now, are looking for bloodworms. And the lax lake out there by the flats is full of bloodworms. So by grousing up the bottom with that big boat, you bring the bloodworms up to the up to the top of the mud more, you might say. And in return, once all the dust starts to leave, the perch find these bloodworms, and it's just a mecca of perch in there. And if you start to fish right in the middle of all those holes you drilled, you're going to be surprised how many perch and how many limits you get in no time. You know, a little technique we kept quiet for a lot of years, and I figure, you know, might as well let some people know and enjoy it. You know what? That's uh, that's really an. I've never heard that before. I, I think that's a fascinating idea, um, and it just shows you that uh, right now, this time of year, you, you know the big the big wheelhouse might not be the best way to go. You got to be a little bit flexible. Oh, definitely, you got to be versatile. That little lake that we fished, my wife and I, Saturday, close to uh, close to Malax. 
and uh, the ice got busted up because guys, two guys brought out two big wheelhouses. More power to them. You can make it out there. I know one made it back to shore. I don't know about the other one. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, get out there. Walk out there. You know, take an ATV. You know, that's why we got them out there. Even side-by-sides might be a little big, you know, but there's a lot to be had right now and a lot of decent ice to fish yet. And that reminds me, Mille Lacs Lake is probably one of the few lakes, Kevin, in the state that is still open for pike fishing. You can oh. legally fish for pike on Mille Lacs Lake till the end of March, the, you know, March 31st, and the big pike are going like gangbusters right now. It's just been incredible. A lot of pike from 36 to 43, even 44 inches have been caught with tip-ups. Uh, do us all a favor, you know, that's a, that's a delicate fishery, everybody. Release those pike. Mm-hmm. Release them to fight another day. You want to get that replica made, you can't beat a good replica. Plus, you got the fish on the wall, and it's still swimming, so it's a win-win situation. But a lot of action, Kevin, happening with the pike. It's been fun. What are you, uh, You're using a tip-up, but uh, what uh, are you luring them with? Uh, good point. Real good point. What we're using, I wrote an article about this uh, the other year. We're uh, using quick-strike rigs. They work really well. Take the bar, you know, smaller trebles, not the large ones. You know, a, a quick strike rig uh, with uh, fluorocarbon. You've got the blade on it, which is, uh, I like to use gold blade. Gold is a dominant color out there, gold or orange. And then small red colored treble hooks. Take one treble hook and hook it through the top lip of the sacramento, not both lips. You pin them together, it's going to drown. You hook it through the top lip, and then you take the back hook, and you hook it through the front of the dorsal fin, not all the way completely through the body cavern, just into the side of the body. That way you got an active minnow that's going to continuously keep moving around. Don't fish no more than 18 inches off the bottom. Pike are notorious scavengers. They like to scrounge for food near the bottom. So 18 inches is a good depth of fish for them. Now, another thing, you had mentioned the word attract, and this is where we talked about last year I wrote an article. I like to use a tractor. So when my, the out hole that has my tip-up in it, I'll pop another hole about five feet away, maybe eight feet away at the most. And what I like to do is I'll have a daredevil on some heavy musky line, or I'll have a spearing decoy on heavy musky line. And I'll drop that decoy or that spoon in the water, and I'll work it for 30 seconds good and hard. When you lift really fast on the string with a spearing decoy, the tail is bent. It goes in a circle. It goes up and then comes down in a circle, and it lays there. You work a spoon, it flutters up when you pull it up, and it softly flutters back down very seductively. And anything that looks seductive in the water is going to get the northern pike attention. So it's all legal to use a spoon. You don't have your hooks on it. Remember that, folks. It's all legal to use a spearing decoy to use that as an attractor. So when the pike comes around and sees that spoon or that spearing decoy, it sees that great big 10-inch or 12-inch sucker middle. It's a smorgasbord to be had, no doubt. Nice. I want to go back to the uh, the perch bite in your your technique. You, you get the bloodworms going there, but what are you throwing in in the midst of those bloodworms to to lure the uh, the perch? That's a great question, Kevin. I still like to use a waxworm. Okay, you know something with a little bit different smell and everything. You know, all fish have three senses: eyesight, lateral line, and olfactory. They got the smell, and I like to use. Uh, you know, waxworms have been really good for me. I know some guys use bloodworms, but I figure there's so many hundreds, even thousands of them. You just worked up a half hour ago, tossing something different. So perch, you know, what you use for regular pan fishing, like bluegills, works perfect for the perch also. Um, and you mentioned uh, before we got in the air as well that the panfish bite on a lot of lakes is going really well right now. Oh, definitely. You know, you've got Farm Island Lake, and the area's been going really well. Border Lake's been gangbusters. Smith Lake has been good, 
has been real well. Uh, little Cross Lake has been doing good. Uh, so you got a good, you know, variety there. Shakopee, that little lake west has been going pretty good too. Unfortunately, all the lakes I talked about, the landings are a little, uh, little rough right now. But if you just move down the line a little bit further, you know, 10, 20 yards, you'll be able to get onto these lakes pretty good. So all in all, all those lakes have been doing good. Sullivan, Mayhew, all the lakes around Mille Lacs Lake have been doing good. This is prime time panfish, and you know, with Mille Lacs having that pike season open yet, it's it's prime time pike. There's no doubt. What kind of pressure are you seeing out on the lakes right now? Not a lot. That's what surprised me. You know, that panfish lake on that Saturday, I maybe saw 50, 60 other people, which is a lot better than what it used to be because with the COVID and everything, everybody took up fishing, which is fantastic. Yeah. But not a lot of pressure. I see a lot of people moving around, having fun. I think most everybody gave up on the on the fishing, you know, especially since walleye opener or walleye season, excuse me, closed. People gave up on it, and right now it's prime time, folks, to enjoy the panfish, the perch, and the northern pike. So it's been pretty good. You'll have fun out there, no doubt. Absolutely. Well, Steve, uh, you know, our uh, your Brainerd area listeners know you really well, but, uh, you, you know, we've uh, kind of combined a couple of shows in our company, and uh, we're in the Bemidji area now as well. Talk, talk a little bit about uh, your history and uh, how you got into this business and, and what it is you like about fishing. For, the, for those of us up in the Bemidji area who don't know you real well. Well, thank you. It gives me a chance. Yeah. Well, um, my name is Steve Sapaniak, of course. I own Predator Guide Service. been a guide, fishing guide, for close to 30 years. I'm the first muskie guide on Mille Lacs Lake. I've seen the heydays, and I've seen the low days. <laughs> I've seen uh, two fish on Mille Lacs Lake, well over 60 inches. My biggest personal muskie is just under 50 pounds. Uh, been an advocate of the outdoors since I could walk. My dad had me in the fishing boat at the age of two and walking behind him in the woods at the age of three. I did the same thing with my kids. I got started uh, in the outdoors uh, when I was a professional welder. I was a stainless steel welder. I sort of got my back crippled up, and so I tried to break into the outdoors a little bit. I had no idea, so I asked a local group in St. Cloud area, if I come over once in a while, you know, I'd like to get started. Do you mind if I deliver papers for you? They said, no, please go for it. And after about six months of delivering papers, I started getting, you know, making phone calls, started making sales for the uh, outdoor company, which had paper, radio, and a TV show. And one thing led to another. Within five years, I was out of the welding business, and I was one of the partners of this outdoor company. And I pursued my passion of outdoor writing. Uh, I got 160 articles have been published. I've just been lucky. And one thing led to another. What shocked me was when I got a phone call, from uh, Outdoor Life, they featured my guide service a couple of times, and then Field and Stream featured my guide service a couple of times. And I asked the guys, I said, how do you hear of anybody? I said, you're all the way from New York. And one guy says, we hear everything, <laughs> which I thought was cute. But uh, I owe all of my success to the good Lord. I'll be honest as heck. And I try to remain humble, but you asked me a question. I'm just giving you a little insight. Uh, I try to remain humble, and I'm a firm believer in the big Lord. And also, you know, I got a wife who puts up with my madness, and, and honestly, she can outfish most guys and outhunt most hunters, too, so I've been blessed. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it, absolutely. Um, are you from the Brainerd area to, originally, or where are you from, Steve? I'm from the uh, Way Park, St. Cloud area, okay. but I got a cabin up around um, next to Mille Lacs Lake, and I've been hanging, when I was younger, I spent more time in Brainerd than around St. Cloud in the big city life. I love the outdoors. Uh, if there was another place I ever wanted to live in my life, it would definitely be the Brainerd area. I uh, love up north. There's no doubt. I love to hunt. Like uh, you and I were talking off the air, I got some property over towards that Gregla area, heading towards Rosso, and I think it's just beautiful up there. 
But I'm not the t- uh, time of my life where, you know, everything is good, and I just thank God I can keep on doing it. Oh, that sounds great. Well, Steve, if uh, somebody's getting ready for uh, summer, maybe do you want to try some of that uh, musky fishing on Mille Lacs? Uh, how do they get a hold of the Predator Guide Service and get something set up with you? Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, check out my website, predatorguideservice.com. Uh, it's easy to find. All one word, Predator, P-R-E-D-A-T-O-R, Predator Guide Service. I Gave it that name because I'm after the trophy, trophy uh, toothy critters, the top line predators, muskie, northern pike and walleye. I also guide for trophy pike, Kevin. We've taken northern pike up to just about 47 inches and oh, 28 wow. pounds. So it's been good. Uh, check that out and everything. My telephone number is on on my website. Otherwise, give me a call. You know, call my home phone. I still got a landline, so that lets you know how old I am. Uh, my phone number is 320 Seven five three five, and if anyone is a Muskie Zinc member, you'll notice last month's issue. I had an article in there, so you know I just love to write about the Muskies. It's it's a passion that maybe has cost me too much money, but it's a clean passion. <laughs> it is a clean passion. Steve Sapaniak joining us today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Steve, thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Before we wrap it up. Fish in Paul Bunyan Country and Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors has been a big part of KB101 and KBUN Radio in Bemidji for 31 years. We've expanded our audience through the podcast in the last three years, and now we're very honored to be in the Brainerd Lakes area on B93.3. Paul Bunyan Country continues to grow. We're excited to be able to give our Bemidji area listeners a taste of Brainerd Lakes and other great outdoor adventures in the Brainerd, Mille Lacs, Cuyuna areas. And we're pleased to give Brainerd area listeners the scoop on our traditional Paul Bunyan Country areas, Winnie, Leach, Cass, Red, Park Rapids, and of course Bemidji. Paul Bunyan had a big footprint. Now it's getting bigger. This has been Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. We'll find out more about the great outdoors in Paul Bunyan Country next week. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for joining us. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota. So little time.